You're listening to the Trailblazers podcast, where we will explore the stories of successful Black professionals. Join us as we highlight the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished trailblazers to help provide the know-how, confidence, and motivation you need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen Hart. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Hart, and I'm so happy to welcome back a returning guest, Indigo Ocean, to the show. Indigo first appeared back on episode 21, and it was a truly insightful conversation and one of the most memorable ones from our first year. And I encourage you guys to go back and listen to that episode if you hadn't yet had a chance to do so. Uh, Indigo is the founder of Awakened Business Consulting and specializes in helping entrepreneurs build strong business structures in a way that integrates their intuition and inspiration. So Indigo, welcome and welcome back. And thank you for being our featured guest today. Yeah, I'm really happy to be back. I love your show, Stephen. So, you know, one of the most memorable things I love about Indigo is this laugh of yours. And I'm uh, now you're going to make me self-conscious. <laughs> so I'm curious to know, you know, what's what's made you laugh or smile the most this week? Oh, this well. So most weeks it's my ridiculous dog. I mean, she's just the, the silliest, happiest little dog. Like if I even just like even pouring down rain, if I walk anywhere near the door, she starts jumping up and down so crazy that I can't help but to like take her out for a walk in the pouring rain. Um but yeah, she's a, a saw source of much laughter. Nice, nice. So tell us about, you know, what fun and exciting things you've been actively pursuing for Awaken since our last conversation. Well, you know, where it's at right now is responding to the currents that are around us and what is happening in our world and our country, but really all around the world and saying, well, how does that impact the work that I'm doing with people. You know, I am a business consultant, but fundamentally the work that I'm doing is helping people create happy and fulfilling lives. Now, because I have skills as a business consultant and I know how important it is to fulfillment for people to be creatively expressed and financially thriving, then of course, the way that I try to foster well-being in people is by helping them build really successful businesses that they enjoy running. But I'm doing that within the context of a world. And there is, you know, there is no happiness that is outside the, that context, right? Like if, if what's going on around you is something that you're not successfully responding to, you're still not going to have a really happy and fulfilling life. And so I've been working that in. And, and as a part of that, I've developed a deeper commitment to working with people of color around the ways that our histories of persecution that has gone from generation to generation to generation has been affecting our ability to thrive economically, to thrive emotionally, to thrive relationally, and to thrive in terms of simply knowing what it is that we are truly even trying to express in this world. What is our actual potential that wants to come out and that will not allow us to feel fulfilled until it does come out? And so now my business consulting, I'm still a business consultant, but it's happening in that context and starting from that earlier place that is more the inner game that needs to be won before the outer game can be won. Wow. 
And so around that, you wrote an article that, you know, we want to have a discussion about today. And that specific post on the Awaken platform, your blog, is titled, Why Are You Still Struggling With Your Offering? It seems to be a piece that was was somewhat geared towards entrepreneurs and, you know, has has that specific focus on on people who maybe maybe were descendants of slaves, right? Would that be correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it there really this really is a, a particular opportunity for entrepreneurs because when we transform our mindset, I like to call it mindset liberation. So when we liberate our mindset, we already have a life where we're the ones really structuring the contents of our life, yes. right? Yeah. So we have particular freedom to see very quickly the results. But really, you know, there's a you know, even if you're not an entrepreneur, people have offerings that aren't necessarily monetized that still want to come out in the world, right? People have service offerings and all kinds of creative offerings where they simply want to express who they authentically are in this world and they won't be fulfilled until they do. Right. And so, you know, you talk about an article goes into the impact of generational persecution. I think you you mentioned a minute ago and how the effects of that really impede our success. You want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I call these remnants from persecution the five poison seeds. And these seeds were planted many, many generations ago when our families, out of their love for us, said, how can I help my children survive in this deeply, deeply flawed, unfair, abusive system? How can I keep them alive and how can I hopefully make them do as well as they can within the system? And so the family adapted and the adaptations did serve them well under slavery, mm. under Jim Crow, under internment, under being put on reservations and moved from one state to the another. Under all of these different forms of persecution that went from one generation to another, the family adapted. And those were good adaptations because we would not be sitting here as their descendants right now had they not done that. Some so, family survival, lines right? did end, yeah. right? So I want to acknowledge that. I want to profoundly acknowledge the great investment that they made in us at great cost to themselves. Right, right. And yet, at this time, things are a little bit different. And some of those patterns that were well adapted back then are not so well adapted now and are in fact the very things that are holding us back. Despite the fact that there are very real external pressures on us and injustices and institutions and systems that continue to put undue unfair loads on us and this extra load we carry, right? The extra danger, the the, the extra uh, lack of support from the society and lack of appreciation, those things are real. But there's so much that was once there truly preventing us from doing what we wanted in the law and that was truly there not giving us any protections of law whatsoever. That is not the current case. And in responding to both the opportunities and the injustices of this moment, there's a different internal system that we really need to be running if we're going to truly thrive. Right. It's interesting you share some of this and and you shared in this article too that 
you found out that you yourself was a, you are a descendant of slaves and Native American. Right. I am. I am. And, you know, you know, obviously I, I've grown up with the, that awareness, but only in the last few years have I really made a spiritual connection with that legacy and made a spiritual connection with the ancestors who continue to watch over me and be invested in me now. They still care about our, our family. You know, we were born, I was born into their line of descendants because of the investment they already had in me and me and them at a spiritual level. we They are my ancestors because of the spiritual connection that exists between us. And they continue to be invested in us all in the entire family, even though they are no longer physical. Right. And that is the case for all of our families. There's a reason that those are your ancestors. This understanding was new to me. And again, a lot of it came about, I think, partly from having an ancestor who was very close to me in life pass on just within the last few years. And then also everything that's happened in the last six months with the rise of more extreme forms of of racism and racist oppression that's happening in in our country and around the world. As as we talk about this, I I shared this with you that my wife, uh, both her and her mom are alum of Georgetown University and discovered in the past year they were descendants of slaves of Georgetown University. And, you know, just a very eye-opening discovery, to say the least. And, um, you know, yesterday, Georgetown had a formal ceremony to bring together descendants of over 272 slaves, that men, women, and children that were sold by the Maryland Jesuits who were running Georgetown at the time. Uh, this is back in the 1830s, um, to a Louisiana sl- um, slave owner. And, you know, mm-hmm. just a, a very heavy day, right, when, you know, you're processing you know, the hundreds of year, you know, years of pain, right, that are all wrapped up in this. And, you know, I, I, I found it remarkable that, you know, the university, uh, which, you know, it was echoed throughout several talks um, throughout the day that they were well aware, right, that, that that was in their closet, right? They just kept it in the dark and didn't speak to it. So this finally came out. Not only did they acknowledge it, not only did they have a formal apology in this process, but they dedicated some built, you know, two buildings to a couple of the slaves that were listed on the census of those slaves that were sold. And they did that, you know, with the mindset of, you know, getting that out of the dark and bringing that to light and making sure that, you know, university new, new students coming in in future years would also be able to acknowledge and, and identify that as part of their history. Right. But yeah, it was just, you know, I, I watched several of the descendants who got up and spoke. I, it was clear to me, you know, that it, some of them shared. Finally, they kind of know who they were. And uh, but it, th- there was this concern about, you know, the end game. Where do they go from there and how do they receive and process and move on and move forward from that? Mm. And, you know, I, I just found it to tie so closely with the conversation we're having now. A lot of what you're sharing, you know, is, is mindset then was on survival. And, you know, though mm-hmm. obviously, you know, we, we still feel like, all right, you know, we need to survive today. Definitely is not what it was back then. 
right? Right. So I am still trying to wrap my head around this. And you and I were talking about this. You know, growing up in Jamaica, you know, yeah, we did deal with slavery, but I think there was so much more focus on class issues than it were was race issues. And so I find myself even trying to, you know, j- make sense of this and and understand, you know, what that means to move forward. How do I relay these experiences to my children? And make sure that, you know, they're able to move to to receive it, but to not have that handicap or paralyze them in any way and for them to be able to to move forward in their own lives. Right. So I'm just sharing some of this as open thoughts. But, you know, I'd love your your thought on, you know, you were you're sharing a little bit ago about what we might have dealt with in the United States as it relates to Jim Crow uh, versus my experiences where, you know, we might have been able to to receive and move past the race issues um, a lot earlier. You have any thoughts? Yeah, on- yeah, a couple thoughts, actually. One, I do want to emphasize how there's a big difference between just having slavery, which was bad enough and and was present in the islands, the same as here in the United States, Absolutely. slightly different forms. But for the most part, it was a, a very similar situation going on. But where here, Jim Crow is what came after slavery and only ended within my lifetime. Okay, well, actually, maybe three years before I was born. Um, there, what came after slavery was a chance for people of color to rebuild their own society. Mm-hmm. And so even though certainly there still had to have a, be a lot of healing from slavery and there may still be some remnants of that need for healing that continue, you know, in a minute I'll go over what the five poison seeds are. And so families of people from the islands may also have some of these seeds, but they're more deeply rooted here because even in the adaptations that were needed after slavery, we still had to keep, you know, it was still the case that a black person could be killed in the 1950s and the police wouldn't necessarily launch any investigation. And even if they caught the person, it was very unlikely that the person would be prosecuted or convicted in much of the United States. And so that's not very long ago. You know, um, I can remember my mother talking about being a little girl, eight years old and being on the train and having a white man absolutely stomp on her feet just to be mean and no one responding at all. Nothing. And so, you know, these things, the way that they keep these things entrenched is because some of them continue to be necessary adaptations until very recently. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves, which is the second point that I really want to focus on out of, you know, you're sharing about the, the Georgetown situation, what we have to look for if we really want to make the best of a, of a of a situation that is an invitation both to to great a very unique and precious offering to this world of the likes of an Oprah Winfrey, uh, uh, Barack Obama or Michelle Obama, Martin Luther King Jr. So many of these people that we could name that have made remarkable contributions, the the inventors of jazz music, the inventors of hip hop music, George Washington Carver. I mean, I could go on and on and on. There is something wonderful and that is a tremendous opportunity that comes out of the extra pressure that has been put on us, right? There are many that that come out as diamonds. And so the challenge is how do we claim what was truly a winning start, what was truly a blessing rather than letting the the pressure crush us? Both are opportunities in the situation. And so we we can neither deny the effects 
nor get lost in them and feel like they're an excuse to not realize our true destiny. You talked about knowing who you are uh, as a descendant of slaves and and being able to to understand that survivor mindset. Do we do we then look at what happens from there, how to actually get that poison seed out? Yeah, that's where I find the greatest possibility. Like when, when it comes to the idea of, okay, so step one, you have to first be willing to accept that you were not cursed with your family situation you were born into. You were in fact blessed. You did in fact have a winning start and not a disadvantaged start. And that it's just a question of how do you claim that potential? How do you claim that birthright so that your potential truly can be expressed in this world Mm -hmm. and received by this world? That's, That's number one. You have to start there. If you can say that, then the question becomes, okay, so how do I claim it? And yeah, procedurally, like the way that you claim it is by first seeing where some of those patterns are there in your family. Probably not every family is going to have all of them, right? There's been healing already taking place just organically. But most families who have that history of living under slavery, and especially if they've also lived under Jim Crow, which, as I said, ended just a few years before I was born, usually there are going to be at least a few of these patterns that that are there. And so, you know, I'm going to share with you in a minute what those poison seeds are. And then the next thing is, yes, you want to be free of them. You want to be free both of the energetic patterns of them and you want to be free of the habit patterns of them. And once you have that freedom, it's a very, it's actually, it's almost miraculous the way that the understanding of what you're really trying to express in this lifetime is just there. I mean, it's, it's as if it, it was written written on the walls your entire life and somebody finally turned on the light and so now you see it there it's just that obvious but it before the lights were out and they were it, the lights were out because of all this limited thinking that was constraining you from seeing this really incredible being that you truly are so you first have to have awareness right? yeah you have to you have to b- both be able to be with the fact that harm was done Mm -hmm. and that there are still injustices in our lives and yet not be waiting for anybody else to solve that problem for you. You've got to be willing to be with both the the truth of that extra pressure to create that diamond and that your true potential is that diamond and that only you can realize that potential and you are not waiting on anything outside yourself to change or be acknowledged before you can do that. The ceremony Georgetown did, wonderful. That's a, it's, it's good for them, right? It's good for their clearing of their karma and conscious. But for us, what we need is to claim our own definition of, of where we're headed. To be able to move and, and not wait for someone to apologize for something that happened hundreds of years ago. Their, their apology helps them more than us. We need to be moving forward. Yes. So before we, we start figuring out how we're going to uproot those poison seeds, let's talk about what those five, five poison seeds are. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say the very first one is filtering perception to focus always on the worst. Mm. It's like you're moving through your days 
And instead of your the background in your mind going, oh, you know, it's a sunny day and oh, what a nice scent in the air and oh, what a delicious meal I'm looking forward to. And oh, that person just smiled at me. And oh, I love the work that I'm doing. Instead of the mind focusing on and noticing all the things it likes, instead it's like, oh, is that door about to, <laughs> you know, close before I get there? Oh, is that person going to hold that door? Oh, is, you know, is, am I, is there going to be a long line at lunch? Oh, Oh, you know, it's just the mind is just constantly filtering for the very worst and noticing it. You know, this is dirty and that's not the right temperature and on and on and on. So that's one one happens. Uh, from this legacy. And part of it is because we needed to filter perception to notice the worst because there was so much threat. Like the reality was there really was a lot of constant danger. And so that, that constant scanning for what could go wrong was well adapted then. It just isn't the greatest thing now. Second one is this persistent low-grade irritation, sometimes anger, uh, sometimes comes out as passive aggression, sometimes is more open aggression. It's just like, no matter what, even if nothing's really going wrong right now, there's like this knot in the center of your body and in your solar plexus and this, you know, easily triggered anger. And we say, well, why is it there? You know, all I'm doing is washing the dishes or all I'm doing is walking down the street. That also is a legacy of really not having been safe to express anger, like having all this injustice constantly coming at you and coming at those you love and not even being able to speak up, let alone pursue justice. And that does lead to a persistent low-grade anger that has to come out in indirect ways, like as passive aggression or get stuffed down where it simmers and it's just like, always they're eating away at you, which is one of the reasons why there's more hypertension and uh, other illnesses uh, in the black community. Third one, (laughs) Um, this one is like when I say it, it sounds like, of course, my family doesn't do that. But if you think back to your childhood, it may you may find some examples. So the third one is basically expecting people to read your mind. Now, when I say it like that, it's, well, of course, no one actually expects anybody to read their mind. But if you think about it, when people get angry at each other and they're not really saying why they're angry, and if you ask them, are you angry? They said, no, I'm not angry. If you say, why are you angry? They say, well, why do you think I would be angry? (laughs) Right? They are basically are expressing however directly or indirectly, their frustration with the fact that you did not know what they wanted you to do or say without them having to tell you. Mm -hmm. They're mad about that. They expected you to read their freaking mind. And they're mad because you didn't. (laughs) Now, you know, this one is harder for me to quite understand the genesis of it. My my best guess (laughs) is that under slavery, It really was the case that much of the time there were things you needed to communicate to your loved ones, to members of your family, to keep them safe, that you could not say out loud in front of the slave master or the supervisor, right? It was dangerous to say it, but they needed, it needed to get communicated. And Mm. I bet that there probably were just like different code words and code behaviors and looks and expressions and things like that, that people had learned to interpret. It wasn't so much mind reading, but although maybe, you know, who knows when you're under that kind of pressure. Maybe there is a certain amount of psychic ability that also gets amplified, right? But one way or another, it was probably functional and necessary at a point. But the reality is, folks, right now, do not expect your family to read your mind. Just 
tell them what you want. And if someone is basically upset with you because you did not anticipate their their wants and needs, just ask them straight out and keep asking until you pin them down enough that, that you force them to speak what they want or need. Segwaying over into remedies, but I just wanted to get that one out there. <laughs> Fourth one. Yes. Expecting to lose anything you gain. Now, this is not only a part of, the, you know, the African-American tradition or the, the descendant of persecution. Um, it's not just a part of that because, you know, there are sayings from many cultures, you know, waiting for the other shoe to drop. Right. Um, but it's deeper. It's more entrenched and it has more of an effect clouding one's entire life, I think, in our communities, because the reality was we were not allowed to own property. We were. And, and by property, I don't mean land. I mean anything. I mean, the shoes on your feet, the clothes on your back, the, the house you lived in. Nothing was owned by you. It was owned by someone else who was kind of lending it to you. And it could be taken away at any moment. And we all know long after slavery ended, if, if you know much of American history anyway, that there were many times when even taken from black people, from entire communities that were uprooted because it was just taken, right? And, and they weren't compensated. So it's a very realistic seed to have been planted, but it's extremely dysfunctional now because it means that every time you, you get something, you're in this defensive frame of mind that's always expecting to lose it. And it just so happens that we get more of what we filter for. And so that expectation tends to lead to loss that didn't actually have to happen. And the fifth and final seed is this belief that anything good that comes to us has got to be earned with hard work and sacrifice and suffering. And that if you haven't suffered enough, you don't deserve it. This one is to me the most destructive yes. of them all. You have a divine birthright. You were born worthy, but would it serve the slave master to let you know about that? Like, wouldn't it be much more beneficial to the slave master to convince you that you not only better be working hard all the time, but you better be demonstrating that you're working hard. Because if you're not, you could be beaten. You could be even killed just for not working hard enough because it serves your work is enriching the slave master. So of course, that's the system they want to set up. And we can go back way before slavery we go back to the Roman Empire. There would not be and have been a, a Roman Empire if Caesar had said, you know, you don't actually have to earn your keep. <laughs> you just, you know, you enrich yourself. You do the things that you need to to be happy and grow enough food for your family to eat. And it's OK. <laughs> you know, you are you are divinely you're divinely guided. And so just follow your spirit. It will lead you to everything that you want. Now, that is true. That is actually true. And it's the way that I live and that many of us who have who have freed ourselves from this particular mental chain. This is how we live. But for many people, this belief is so insidious that it never even they, they never even give themselves a chance to to notice how many blessings are coming to them every day that they did not earn 
and could not earn. Mm -hmm. They never give themselves to see that actually more comes to you when you work with inspiration and what I I like to call obsession, when you're just like really taken over by something that you want to get out into this world. More comes to you when you act from that part of yourself than when you're acting from this feeling that you, you need to be proving how hard you work and you need to be sacrificing and you need to be proving how much you're suffering so that someone can say, yes, you deserve to have something good happen to you. Mm -hmm. To heck with that. You deserve it because you were born worthy. How about that? Amen. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Now these are five serious issues, serious, you know, fundamental issues. How do we move past you know, and get rid of that and free ourselves of that uh, and, and end these patterns. Yeah. So this is, you know, so I have to be, uh, I, I'm trying to figure out how to not come across as a little bit self-promotional in how I answer that. <laughs> Because I have been working on this, right? And so I have developed some things that speak directly to that, right? And so my my sincere answer is, number one, I would really like for folks, there's a healing meditation that I made in concert with one of my ancestors. I am a spiritual intuitive. And so, yes, I do actually (laughs) clearly hear and accurately interpret the communications that are constantly coming to us as guidance from our spiritual selves and from our ancestors. And so working in concert with my maternal grandmother who passed away a few years ago, um, I developed this, really, I I didn't develop it. I, I, I brought through this healing meditation that clears the energy patterns Hmm. of that fifth poison seed of that belief that nothing good can come to us unless we suffer for it first. So I would love for people to go to the winningstart.com download that. You know, you can watch the video, you can download the, the audio, MP3, whatever, but I would really like you to, to go through that and just clear that and you will immediately feel better. And then after you shift the energy of it, the reality is there are still simply habits that you have, just like all of us are mostly creatures of habit. We, we're not that deliberate in easily 95% of what we do each day. We're more on autopilot and changing, deliberately changing those habits is something that you just have to take on. And the way that you change a habit most successfully is not by trying to go directly at the habit and say, let me, you know, let me end you. It's by introducing a new habit and putting more energy into that new habit where the new habit simply precludes the possibility of the old habit. You know, they're in direct, you know, both cannot exist in the same space at the same time. And so you just feed a lot of energy and very deliberately give yourself, you know, one to three months to really very intentionally work at planting new seeds. Right. So Indigo, this article specifically was was geared towards entrepreneurs, but as you stated, this could be applied to anyone, right? And obviously, there's potential once you're able to address some of these issues, some of these poison seeds, and be able to move past it to be able to achieve more. Um, yeah. You know, once we've addressed those inner issues that you talked about, um, so much more. We can achieve so much more from our lives. What was was that your mindset coming into this to, to be able to address that and help your your tribe and, and others to be able to achieve that greater potential? 
You know, I have to honestly say it was not on my mind going into it. It's something that I simply discovered once I got there. Mm. <laughs> you know, going into it, it really was, you know, this election last fall, like really all of last year. Last year was just like this year for myself, but I think I've heard from a lot of people. It was this year of everything being taken away and people really being challenged to be able to figure out how can I thrive even when it's all been taken away, when there is nothing outside myself to point at and say, that's the reason I'm happy. When there's nothing. And that's that's what my 2016 was like, like to the point where at one point I said to myself, my God, every single part of my life is falling apart, except at least I've got this sweet little dog that every time I pay attention to her, I'm instantly made happy. Mm. And then two days later, she was attacked in the backyard no. by a group of raccoons and they, they, they really attacked her and she had to have surgery. <laughs> Oh, and then no. I had to nurse her back to health for the next two weeks. And she had like PTSD for months. And uh. <laughs> I mean, it was like, no, Indigo, you don't get to have anything outside yourself that you can point at. And, and so I really had to learn how do I have all of this happening, both in my personal life and in my country and in my world? Because these, you know, the Trump thing, it's happening all over the world right now. How do I respond? How do I make this work? Because I'm someone who is committed to claiming my absolute thriving in every area of my life. And so I reached to my spiritual connections and I deepened my relationship very much with my grandmother. And I also was at a Peruvian ceremony with a, a Peruvian shaman who also amplified that connection. And after that, the information simply started coming through and it was coming through to heal me and to heal my life. And what it led to was my opening to a, a new clarity about what I was doing in the world. And then I started sharing it with other people and I started seeing, oh, my gosh, it's having the same effect on them. And so now I know to explicit this clear, it's who you are. I, I really want to hammer home this point because this is not that obvious. Sometimes when people hear people giving examples of people like Oprah Winfrey, who came from a very oppressed childhood and then has basically revolutionized the world in the sector of media. She has changed the world. Or they hear of people like Martin Luther King Jr., who changed the world in terms of what liberation in a society would look like. People like, um, gosh, well, George Washington Carver, you know, so many inventions that we still use to this day, even though he was literally a slave. The the women from, uh, what's that movie the, or the book, Hidden Figures? Mm -hmm. Yeah who helped get us to the moon. But one of them had to first steal a book to make it happen, right? They had to break the law. So you hear stories like this and you think, okay, well, that's wonderful, but that's not me. Like, it's not even just a mental block. It's like, it doesn't feel true. It's like, that's not me. For some of us, we are the inventors of jazz, right? Mm -hmm. And for some of us, we are, you know, Alicia Keys, giving a new take on what jazz is when it meets soul, when it meets contemporary, right? Some of us, we're not meant to create a new lane, but we are meant to provide a kind of a new patch of flowers along the road. And that is worthwhile. We are each absolutely unique. We are each absolutely 
irreplaceable. And what we feel called to express into this world, even if we don't quite know what it is, we just know that we feel that calling. It is absolutely needed by this world and will make a difference. It doesn't have to be creating an entire new lane. Even a single new flower is, is worth your, your expressing it. As we get set to wrap up, Indigo, I want to ask you to share one action that those listening in should take this week to help them blaze their trail. If there was one thing that's very simple that you could do, I would say make it your intention to move through the next seven days, noticing what is good as much as possible. Just notice. In fact, you could even take it a step further and count. You know, it's like the game people play when they're riding in the car and they say, okay, let's count blue signs or let's count McDonald's signs or whatever, right? Play that game with your life, counting the good things. Indigo, thank you so much for this conversation. It's, uh, you know, I, I shared with you openly that, you know, it was an uncomfortable one for me to have and to, to step into, but I appreciate you kind of letting us have this conversation. You, you educated me in this, this talk that we had today and, um, you know, and, 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 and inspired me and encouraged me to, to want to look at, um, areas of my life that, you know, I can, that maybe I have some seeds that need to, to, you know, be looked at and, um, and uprooted and focus myself on, on freeing up some of that inner area inside of me to be able to grow and um, tap into my 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 potential and, and that's, yeah. that's my heart. So thank you. Always great to have you on podcast and um, you know I encourage everyone again. You know go back and and listen to Indigo's first episode. You know share this episode with with your friends and and your your family members and someone who really needs to hear this conversation. Indigo, thank you again. Oh, thank you, Stephen. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'll be posting links to all of today's book recommendations and links mentioned on our show notes page at tbpod.com. If today was your first time listening to the Trailblazers podcast, I just want to extend a warm Trailblazers welcome to you. We're so happy to have you here and we encourage you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Go ahead and browse through some of our past episodes to keep the knowledge flowing. If you're a fan of the podcast and today's content and you're maybe already subscribed to the podcast, please continue to share and invite your friends, your family, your colleagues to listen to an episode that you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories will be moved to make significant changes that will have generational impact for many others, both now and well into the future. Don't miss next week's episode. New episodes are released each and every Monday by about 5 a.m. Eastern. Trailblazers, jump off this podcast today. Go find a way to rise above, go way beyond, and keep blazing your trail. Cheers.